What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Happy New Year, Hoopball Lakers listeners. We are back to our regularly scheduled Monday programming now that Christmas and New Year's have passed, and especially now that Christmas is over and in some people's eyes the real NBA regular season has started. If you look at it that way, the Lakers are 5-1 and one since the unofficial start of the season, starting similarly to the original start of the season with a loss to the Clippers and then a long win streak. While all is good in Lakerland, it could be better, and as is standard for January, trade rumors and free agency, free agency rumors are starting to rear their heads for every team, not just the Lakers. So come February, the NBA landscape could change once again, just like it did this summer. For now, though, let's go ahead and recap uh, the Lakers' most recent game, which was a victory over the Pistons on Sunday in Los Angeles, and what a game that was. Man, that had an interesting stat line. Looking at it, one of the things that immediately jumped out at me was seeing eight blocks for Anthony Davis, which is obviously a lot. Then looking down at the rest of the then looking down at the rest of the stat sheet, other numbers that jumped out at me, it's like, oh, six blocks for JaVale McGee, five blocks for Dwight Howard, one block for Avery Bradley. That's a total of twenty blocks in one game. Total that amounted to 25% of the Pistons' shot. That's right, one out of every four shots the Detroit Pistons attempted to take against this Laker team was sent back right to their faces. It was a really wonderful defensive effort um, from the Lakers, and it was one of those just really fun games. It seemed like there was fast breaks of plenty. Caruso got a dunk, and anytime that happens, the crowd is going to go wild, including the rest of his Lakers teammates. Uh, really balanced effort. Uh, like we've seen, like, like we've continued to see, double figures from three out of the five players that played off of the bench, including eleven and nine for Dwight Howard, so almost a double double for him. Thirteen for Caruso. KCP had ten. 
continues to play really well. Another triple-double for LeBron James. And LeBron we're going to talk about in a little bit here. Uh, There seems to have been a change in philosophy in how this team strategizes the way he specifically is going to play. And we'll delve into that a little bit more. But another triple-double for James. 11 assists, 14 rebounds. To, for my liking with this team, I think he's still grabbing a little bit too many rebounds, and I'd like for him to focus on other areas. But for now, I mean, that's he's been playing amazingly, and Anthony Davis has been unstoppable as usual. But let's recap the last week. So since the new year, January 1st, the Lakers have gone 3-0. Uh, mentioned they're on a five-game winning streak since Christmas, defeating Portland and Dallas after that loss to the Clippers. Since January 1st, the Lakers have defeated the Suns, the Pelicans, and the Pistons, who are reeling from injuries and trade rumors with Andre Drummond, in addition to some controversy with Derrick Rose and that maybe he's not playing enough minutes and now he's finally at a healthy point in his career. We'll talk a little bit more about Derrick Rose later in a special segment of the show. Um, Yeah, it seems as though... The Lakers have experienced a major shift in philosophy and strategy, specifically regarding regarding LeBron James. And in light of this change, I think one of the things that Ethan and I, and I talked about is how inefficiently the starting lineup plays with LeBron and AD, and that could have been due to you know the strategy of trying to get LeBron and AD going early in the game as early in the games as possible to sort of set the tone for the rest of the games and set the momentum that way. But lately, especially since Christmas, LeBron has been on an assist tear. He's already leading the league in assists, but since that Christmas game in which he had 10 assists already, but he has had games of 16 assists, 13, 12, 15, 11. It's very obvious that he is in a mode now to where he wants to get everybody involved as much as possible as early as possible and he wants to set the tone for the games to be that everybody's got their game going kcp is going to shoot from three he's going to get open shots anthony davis is going to get going with with assist from lebron uh javel is going to get going a little bit early with the energy that he he starts the game off with Anytime LeBron is in there with Dwight, he's going to run a lot of pick and rolls to Dwight, and that combination has been really amazing to watch. So yeah, it's they haven't come out and said whether or not specifically they've made that adjustment, but it seems apparent that LeBron has always been kind of a fa- kind of a pass first guy, but lately that seems to be even more so, and it seems to be have a contagious effect to the rest of the team. Team defense seems to be more engaged. Three-point shooting is better because it's more quality as opposed to quantity of three-point shots. It's an overall more fun atmosphere when LeBron is having fun getting his teammates involved now. True, that could come with the caveat of playing three teams that are below 500, which was was the criticism they were getting early in the season when they were on a long winning streak. But I contend that especially after you had a four-game winning streak like they had just a week and a half ago uh, or two weeks ago, I contend that these games versus below 500 teams are not games in which you should take lightly. I think they're games in which, yeah, you want to try out new strategies. You want to develop 
some of the other players. You want to give them their moments to shine so that way come playoff time they have that experience in-game. One thing that is concerning about this team, and I guess it's kind of, it's kind of I guess it's kind of fortunate that they have been playing teams that are below 500. Is the Lakers do have a tendency to start out really hot, and when LeBron is not in the game, regardless of whether AD is in there or not, when LeBron is not in the game, the Lakers aren't as efficient and as powerful a scoring machine as maybe we would like them to be. And twice this week they've given up really huge leads and ended up winning the game but they were up 36 on phoenix at one point phoenix got the game to within five same thing against detroit they had a big lead up and they ended up only winning by seven same thing with with new orleans they had a big lead ended up winning that by 10 so the fact that they give up big leads could be concerning it is one of those things where i think come playoff time i don't think that's going to happen because i think lebron and Rondo, and AD, and some of the other guys with more experience are, are going to be a little more hyper-focused, and that's not going to happen as easily. But it is a point of concern. And it is a point of concern that's leading to uh, some of the, uh, you know, it is a point of concern that's leading to some of the, the things that we've been seeing in the league. Trade speculation, free agency speculation, um, it was just reported right before this recording that the Sacramento Kings are possibly looking at Kyle Kuzma, and and the Lakers have reported that they, or at least have made have made no secret that they're listening to offers on Kyle Kuzma. And while it would be sad to see him go, and I do really love his overall skill set, it's true that it doesn't appear to be a great mesh with what LeBron and AD are doing, and what this whole team is doing specifically as a whole. Maybe there are other teams, there are other players that can fit the, you know, the hole that Ka- that Kuzma is supposed to fill in a little easier. I I think it would be a real bummer to see him go. But if it did, if it did make this team better, yeah. Uh, in addition to trades, don't worry, that's not an NBA update. Turning my phone off now. In addition to trades, free agency uh, has also been a big part of uh, any team, any contending team, the last few years, adding, you know, pieces that 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 might be those missing pieces. And Darren Collison, who was in the league just last year, but did retire over the summer stunningly, um, but was kind of due to just his his not feeling the love of basketball. He has admitted that he would like to return and and is considering a return to either the Lakers or the Clippers. That's going to come in February. Presumably, he's using him. You know, he's trying to get himself into game shape. That's an addition that I wouldn't mind. It's not going to cost you a trade. He's going to be available at a league minimum price. The Lakers, while over the salary cap, do have some room to spare with the luxury tax, and I don't think they would mind paying some luxury tax money if it would help ensure better chances at, an, at a championship. So, Darren Collison is a lights out shooter. He could be that scoring point guard that keeps the offense afloat while LeBron gets more rest at the start of the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, it's an addition that I wouldn't mind seeing. I also personally wouldn't mind seeing Jeff Green. I know he's a little bit older. He's not exactly the type of create-first point guard that they need, but I do think he's another agile defender on the wing. And I think guys who are going to be agile defenders 
or who you're going to need in the playoffs against the likes of Kawhi to kind of keep him off the block, keep him as far away from the basket as you can keep him. Yeah, I think a guy like Iguodala, obviously, Jeff Green, Darren Collison is not really going to help with anything like that. And really neither is Boyan Bogdanovich, who the Kings might have to give up if that's a trade that the Lakers are looking for. So, yeah, I think I think there there are moves to be made. This team isn't is no team is perfect, and no team couldn't benefit from one final piece, the Clippers included. And so, yeah, I think once we see how the trade and buyout market ends up, is when we'll have a clearer picture of everything. But we'll delve back into trade speculation a little bit further in the show. For now, let's let's go back to the uh, the recap of the last game, of the last week. <clears throat> so, yeah, dominating wins against Phoenix, New Orleans, and Detroit. Team defense was uh, amazing throughout. Really big uh, big leads to start, and then unfortunately the loss of the big leads uh, throughout. But I think it's important for, and I say this a lot. I think it's important for this team to show tenacity in, in situations like that. I think it's important for them to to know that they can come back from either a big lead or they can they can kind of stop uh, the floodgates if they're giving up big leads and things like that. Coming up for the rest of this week, the winning ways should continue for a little bit longer. Coming up this week, the Lakers play the Knicks at home. They travel on the road to Dallas. It seems like they play Dallas an awful lot. you got to figure at some point they're going to stop playing Dallas. <laughs> then they also go to travel to Oklahoma City on Saturday. And that's actually it for this week. But just looking a little bit further and when this possible win streak could come to an end, or at least they f- face a little bit of a difficult stretch. Monday, January 13th, they play the Cavaliers, and the Cavaliers are reeling from being one of the worst teams and and, and an unhappy Kevin Love. We've got Orlando Magic, who are without Jonathan Isaac, and he, the Lakers have had trouble with teams that exhibit length and speed, and Jonathan Isaac was one of those players that would have given the Lakers some trouble. And then finally on the 18th and the 20th, not a back-to-back, but a pretty strange road trip to start. They travel to Houston for a game on the 18th. And then on the 20th, they have a game in Boston. So immediately after Houston, you figure they're boarding a plane and traveling from the bottom of the country to the top of the country to Boston. So that's kind of a flight that might be kind of difficult for some. You figure one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five games before this Houston-Boston stretch. And so... Don't see any reason why the Lakers couldn't be, couldn't win all five of those and ride a ten game winning streak into Houston. Dallas, I think, could prove difficult because they've lost to Dallas once before, but the last time they did play Dallas, they handled them pretty easily. And so I think by now, the Lakers do have the Mavericks number. And I think as we get closer and closer to the to the playoffs, I think you'll see more intense effort defensively as a team. From all of them, and specifically from LeBron James, as he gets closer and closer to the to the end of the season, he'll he'll start to get more and more focused. And so, I'm not as worried about the Lakers uh, against the Mavericks. And 
Yeah, it's pretty bold of me to say, but I'm going to say the Lakers are going to ride a 10-game winning streak going into this Houston game on the 18th. I could be wrong, but I'm going to go ahead and go with that because nobody's really going to hold me accountable. (laughs) We're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about update the injury situation, which is I think we haven't really updated that much. Now, fortunately... The Lakers haven't had too many injuries to their to their core players, which is LeBron and AD. I think LeBron's missed one game. AD's missed a couple of games, and he's gotten his nagging shoulder thing. But for the most part, uh, there hasn't there haven't been a lot of major injuries. Now, what's unusual about that is, in terms of games missed, the Lakers are uh, amongst the top teams in the league, and so. To look at it on paper, it might seem that they're not a super healthy team just because of all the games that Avery Bradley's missed and I think KCP's missed a couple of games and Rondo and thing and you know players like that. But yeah, overall this team is pretty healthy and I think they've been lucky in that regard. Avery Bradley did sprain an ankle last night in the win against the Pistons, but I believe he ended up coming back and it's not gonna be as much of a concern. So Injury situation, not a ton to update there, but that's always good news. Uh, Alex Caruso is also day-to-day with a calf, but watching him play last night, looks like his calf is doing just fine. I don't have a great update on DeMarcus Cousins. He's starting to work out, and the team hasn't ruled out a return this season. And we've seen players come back from torn ACLs relatively quickly, and his did tear in the middle of the summer and so perhaps there's a chance but i wouldn't i wouldn't book any money on that speaking of things that you could bet money on mybookie.ag is one of the absolute best websites where you can you can make bets online making bets online does make games more fun if you put a few dollars on them that makes them more fun you can place your next bet at mybookie.ag our online betting partner here at Hoopball. Go sign up for a new account and use promo code LAKERS. That's the word LAKERS. And my bookie will give you a 50% deposit up to $1,000. Head there now again. That's my bookie AG, and the promo code is the word LAKERS. Unfortunately, you can't bet on things like DeMarcus Cousins coming back from injury, but if that were a bet you could make, I would make that bet. But it would be nice to see him come back. So here on the Monday review preview episode of Hoopball Lakers, one thing I like to do is take a look at different numbers throughout the season. And one of the numbers that I think is, or a type of number to pay attention to, is one that some people put a lot of value in, other people don't. In different sports, sometimes the this term means a lot. I don't know quite how much it means in basketball, but it can be just as telling as it is in like baseball and football. And that number is differential. Differential is basically, as, it's as easy as it sounds. It's you take the average number of points a team scores versus the average number of points a team's give, team gives up or field goal percentage, three-point percentage, any, any, any statistic. And the difference is either a positive or a negative number. And the bigger the positive number, the better your team is at that specific thing. And so... This is a hugely telling number in basketball and a hugely telling or in baseball and a hugely telling number in football. For example, 
the Seattle Seahawks had a, I think they won 12 games this season, but they had a point differential of around 30, which is not very good. Basically, it means that they won a lot of close games. That's not a sustainable number. It's, you know, to put that in perspective, Baltimore, I think, is a point differential of, I believe, over 100. I don't have the, I don't have those numbers in front of me, but that's the sort of that's the sort of information you're looking for when you look at point differential. And so it's it can be a telling thing in how dominant a team can be, but sometimes it can also be a little confusing. And it is a little confusing in this case with basketball because we'll start with the overall point differential for the Lakers. And the Lakers currently are fourth in the league in point differential at 7.3. Number one is the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 12.8. That means they outscore their opponents by an average of nearly 13 points a game. And that's a scary thought. They're a very dominating team. Uh, The Celtics are second with 7.6, which kind of makes sense because they're a defensive-focused team. Where it starts to not make as much sense, the Dallas Mavericks at 22 and 13 have a plus, or third in the league, plus 7.3, which is the exact same number as the Los Angeles Lakers, who are 28 and 7. 29 and 7, excuse me. And, yeah, it could mean a number of different things. It could mean that the Mavericks have way blown out bad teams, and then lost to better teams. It's an interesting number for the Lakers to be that high in point differential when we've talked about how they give up, how they've given up large leads throughout the season. But 7.3 is a, is a solid, solid number. To put that in perspective, you know, next is the Clippers at 6, then plus 5.5 for the Raptors and the Rockets, down to 3.8 for Miami. And really, and only 13 teams in the league have a positive uh, have a positive point differential. And so, over half the team over half the teams in the league are being outscored on a nightly basis. And so, the Lakers are among the best of the teams in outscoring their opponent. In addition to in addition to outscoring, this is a number I like. So, field goal percentage overall field goal percentage. Milwaukee dominates this one at plus 7.2. They shoot 7% better from the field than their opponents. 7.2 is a huge number. Number two is our Los Angeles Lakers at 4.3. To me, I think 4.3 is is a good percentage, especially when you consider especially when you consider the Lakers aren't amongst the teams that shoot the most three-pointers in the league, they're more quality over quantity. And so I think when you, and they're a better three-point shooting team than Milwaukee is. And so you factor in that plus 4.3, you figure there's going to, they're going to be a little bit more three-pointers than two-pointers in that scenario. Third is the Miami Heat with plus 2.6. And so that's a pretty big disparity between one and three, 7.2 to 2.6. And the Lakers right there in the middle at 4.3. How much better are the Lakers at shooting threes than their opponents? They're not that much better. However, uh, Miami is the best at plus 5% better in shooting threes than other teams. The Lakers are ninth 
which is not bad. They shoot 1.3% better from three-point three land than their opponents, and we've already talked about quantity over quality. Quality over quantity, sorry. <laughs> we've already talked about quality over quantity. And to just kind of put that in perspective, the Laker, the, the Rockets, who have the philosophy of shoot as many threes as you can because they're a higher-value shot, at 13, they only shoot 0.1% better than their opponents. And that, I think, is where the Rockets' downfall is going to be. As much as they believe in their philosophy of shoot as many threes as you can, ultimately, it's going to end up shooting them right in the foot. And I think when you look at their overall differential numbers, they're they're a very average team. Not a team to worry about. <clears throat> but back to the Lakers. So, we've established they outscore their opponents at a, at a great clip. They shoot better than their opponents at a great clip. They shoot better three-pointers than their opponents at an okay clip. Where is, you know, where is the problem? Where are the problem areas? Well, and again, this might not be a problem if they end up in the finals against Milwaukee because the Lakers have a negative 6.4% free throw percentage lower than their opponents. But Milwaukee also has a negative free throw percentage lower than their opponents at negative 4.1. While that is better than the Lakers because it's a smaller negative number, uh, the fact that both of these teams are horrible free throw shooting teams is something we've talked about before. And so, therefore, it's not really a concern if, assuming the Lakers make it to the finals and they play the Bucks. Free throw percentage, I don't think, is a huge indicator... Overall, the, the Celtics are number one in the league with that at plus 5.8. And they are among the better teams in the league, but hopefully this isn't you know really a thing to concern you about if you're a Laker fan. So what numbers are great? Well, defensive rebounding, plus 2.6 for the Lakers. Puts them fifth, which is a great number. Rebounding overall. Fourth at plus 3.4. Assists. Now, you might think the Lakers are right up at the top because they have LeBron James, and while they're not at the very top, they are number three at plus 2.9. So the Lakers, to no surprise, they pass the ball a lot. And not just LeBron, but the Lakers overall. Steals at 0.4. Lakers are number 11 in that, and so that's a great place to be in. Number one in the league for blocks at plus 3.3. That should come as no surprise considering they had 20 blocks the last game, and JaVale and AD and Dwight seem to block damn near everything that comes, comes near the basket. Turnover margin. The Lakers do turn the ball over a little bit. They are... 21st in that category, and they they foul about as much as their opponents. But basically, overall, I think the main concern is the Lakers are plus in nearly every category with the exception of three-pointers made, three-pointers attempted. But again, we've talked about quality over quantity. Free throws are bad. And turnovers and personal fouls, they they do about as much as their opponents do. So 
it's less than 1% negative in both of those categories. And so basically the biggest glaring weakness in this team, if to look at it this way, is their free throw shooting. But overall, this is a very dominating team, which should come as no surprise because they are number one in the West. But to look further at the numbers to figure out why it is they're so dominating, they're not the best at any one thing except for blocking shots. But they're also not the worst at anything, which is a recipe for success. There is still room for improvement, though. We've talked about how transition defense can be a problem with this team. Teams that exhibit great length and speed, kind of like Milwaukee, can be a problem for this team. And so those are areas that need to improve. But overall, if, you, if you're a person that believes in, in, differential, st in differ differential statistics, as I am one of those people, this is a very telling statistic, and the Lakers are good at damn near everything. So with all of that being said, let's take a look at the rest of the league and how we're starting to shape up as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. We're still quite a ways away, but it's always fun to take a look. So in the West, Lakers continue to be number one at 29-7. and seven. They're a handful of games ahead of the number two seed, Denver, at 24-11. and 11. Houston also at 24-11, and 11, tied for that second spot. Although, as mentioned, I think come playoff time, I I continue to think that the, the Rockets aren't a team to really worry about. Denver, with another year of experience, they might be a little scrappy. <clears throat> uh, the Clippers at 26-12 and 12 at the number four seed. They continue to be really dominant. Last night they had, they had a game in which Kawhi did not play, but Lou Williams, Paul George, and Montrezl Harrell all had 30 points each which is, I believe, the first time in NBA history that three teammates have had a 30-point game in the same game. Utah at number five is starting to come around, 23-12. and 12. Dallas continues to improve, and Luka Doncic is not only shocking the world on the basketball court, but he is currently the number one. If he's not the number one, he's the number one in the West uh, vote-getter for uh, all-star votes. Yeah, 22 and 13, I think the Mavericks are are overachieving a little bit, and rightly so. I think Luka is, is amazing, and so it, it's no surprise that they're where they are. Oklahoma City at 20 and 15, they are way overachieving. Chris Paul has been playing really well, and he has that team believing in them making a playoff spot. And then rounding out the West, strangely, is... You have the West looking like the East did a couple of years ago. So rounding out the West, the playoff seed in the West and with the eighth spot is San Antonio with a losing record at 14 and 20. Nine is Memphis at 15 and 22. Portland also at 15, 22. Minnesota 14, 21 with the, at the 11th spot. Phoenix 14 and 22. Sacramento, who everybody thought was going to be really good or some people thought had a play, playoff run in them. 13 and 23, which is about where I thought they would be. And New Orleans at 12 and 24. Zion Williamson still has yet to play, which is unfortunate. Hopefully he'll get to play at the end of this month, if not next month. And at the very bottom of the West, life comes at you fast. Golden State Warriors at 9 and 28. <clears throat> Over on the East, 
Milwaukee continues to be an extremely dominant team at 32 and 5. Boston 25 and 8. So similar record, almost a similar record to the Lakers at the number two seed in the West. So it does seem does appear that things have shifted. The East used to be the Eastern Conference, and that's definitely not the case this year. Miami, twenty-six and ten with that third spot, which I'm really happy about. Miami's a team as a franchise I've always kind of admired from afar. They've always had players that I've liked at different points, including LeBron James, obviously. Uh, Toronto at number four, twenty-four and twelve. Philadelphia at five, twenty-three and fourteen. Indianapolis. At six and twenty-two and fourteen, and at some point soon they are going to have Victor Oladipo back, and so this stands to be a very scary team. It may end up being they have a lower playoff seed, but they they could be one of those teams that you don't want to face in the first round. Brooklyn a little bit surprising considering they had a, a slow run at seven. 16 and 18. They've been doing this without Kyrie Irving, who's going to come back pretty soon. So it's curious to see what that's going to do to their chemistry. Orlando at 16, 20, and 8. Charlotte fighting for that playoff spot at 15 and 23. A lot of people pegged Charlotte as the worst team in the league, and so they're overachieving, overachieving quite a bit. Chicago, I think, is underachieving a little bit from what people expected that of them they're currently 10th at 13 and 23 detroit detroit's in a bad way right now blake griffin is considering having season-ending knee surgery to kind of take care of that troublesome knee and with detroit having a losing record and being this far out of the playoff picture it's not surprising uh andre drummond has been the subject of a lot of trade rumors and so and derrick rose only making $7 million this year. He seems to be a very easily tradable piece. And so Detroit's going to blow this thing up more than likely. Washington at 11-24. and 24, They're kind of in a, stuck between a rock and a hard place with John Wall being injured for the rest of the season. The Knicks are the Knicks at 10-26. It's an unfortunate run. And a lot of their players are unhappy and want out. Cleveland, we've talked about how unhappy Kevin Love is and this situation. And I gotta say, with Atlanta rounding out the bottom of the East with the worst record in the league at eight and twenty-eight, Trey Young has been playing really well. John Collins has been playing really well. Vince Carter is on this team to help lead the young guys. I don't know about you. I don't want to see Vince Carter end his career on the worst team in the league. I think I think he deserves to go to a contender. I think he deserves to really fight for for a championship. I think he deserves to go out on top in the playoffs. That's just me. But anyway. Before I go, in all of my excitement to start this recording uh, in the new year, I did forget to mention that this podcast, like all of our other shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. You can check out their website at hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, or on Twitter at H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. That is H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee, Hawaiian Isles 
Kona Coffee. It's fantastic coffee. That'll just about do it for this episode of the weekly review preview episode of the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast. You can find me on Twitter at jcdeleon1. You can find Ethan at Ethan underscore Noroff. You can follow our show at Hoop Ball Lakers. You can follow the Hoop Ball site at hoopball.com. If you follow Dan Bespris at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, he is one of the editors on the Hoop Ball site. Um, his Twitter account is littered with a lot of the accounts that you can follow. You can follow all the other Hoop Ball shows, different contributors, things like that. Uh, Dan Bespris is the guy to follow for that. So until next time, let's ride this win streak into Houston. Let's go Lakers. Happy New Year, everyone. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.